Constructing your life is about much more than just building a bank account. Each week, join real estate entrepreneur and mindset coach Austin Linney as he interviews guests who are constructing their dream lives and impacting the world around them on a daily basis. If you're an entrepreneur or wanting to start a business, or you just want to hear motivating stories of how others have overcome the odds, you are in the right place. And now for your host, Austin Linney. Guys, welcome. Did they, they thought we were dead? They probably thought they we were no dead. Clue where we went? They're like, they, they, are they, they had are no they okay? idea where we went, but the brain dump is alive and kicking still. Send out search and rescue. Where's Austin? Where's Anthony? We're I feel like here. with you, it's much more always a "Where in the world is Carmen San Diego?" type of situation, dude. Every day, and you know what? My favorite thing in the world—the greatest question. I've, I never thought this would be my life goal, but it's the greatest thing I've ever heard when people ask me, "Hey, man, where the hell are you today?" Are you? I love that. Where even are you though? (laughs) So here's the topic. I found out the biggest lie in business. I found it out. You know, we're in business. We talk about profits and loss. We talk about accounting. We talk about scaling. We talk about how to do sales, marketing. We talk about all these topics. There's all these books. When really what I found out, business comes down the thing that they don't tell you that's the hardest part of business and things that you have to learn is understanding human emotion and communication with people. It's been a very tumultuous week for us in the business sets where I had to fire two people this morning and somebody quit on me last minute and didn't tell me. And we already fixed the situation. And, you know, some people are a bridge to other people. I get that. But understanding what the core of what was wrong or, or what people are needing, right? I've also hired five people in the same week, right? So it's been this kind of exit and re- rebirth. Mm-hmm. But what I found out is when you look at it on the core, none of this ever comes down to money. And if it does come down to money, I don't think I want you on my team. I have been saying for years now. And I feel like people maybe don't really hear it. Like they don't really hear me when I say this, when I say the hardest part of business. So I get this question a lot. Like what's the hardest part? Um, like in your journey, getting from where you started to where you are now, what's been the hardest part? People love that question. And the answer is always the same. People are the hardest part. I don't care what business that you have. People are always the hardest part. And the reason for that, I'm not just talking about employees. This is also customers. This is also vendors. This is partners. People are the hardest part because we all have different emotions, desires, wants, ways of communicating, ways of feeling loved. And so we're mushy and there is no one size fits all solution. Even when we're trying to build a company and we just look at the context of employees, let's build a culture, right? Like, cause we're all, we all know, like, it's all about the culture, but even with that, within that, there is no one size fits all. Like the way that uh, employee A engages with the culture is going to be a little bit different than the way that employee B does. And there's nothing wrong with that, but just recognize that you can't have cookie cutter people and you wouldn't want that anyway. Like what makes business successful and fun in the grand scheme is like people realizing their unique geniuses to, to bring something magical to the world. And so you don't want to just like wash away that, but man, getting people aligned towards a vision and rowing in the same boat at the same speed 
towards that destination is incredibly difficult. And then we could go, you know, over to the other side of things, which is like, okay, vendor relationships. They're trying to run a business. We're trying to run a business. And we know that when you run a business, all sorts of things happen, right? So when things happen in your vendor's business, which then hurt your business, you're like, what do you do? <laughs> you're like, there's no, there's no easy solution there because again, it's people and people are always the hardest part. And it's again with customers. And this is why when it comes to finding your, your, your like ideal customer, the more niche down you can get and understand like, what is the solution that I can provide to this particular customer better than anybody else? Like the more you can like get granular with that, the more likely you are to please that person. And the people who try to go really broad and please everybody end up pleasing nobody because in their pursuit of like just being accepted and happy, like serving all the customers, they really serve nobody well. And so again, the answer just keeps coming back. People are the hardest part. It's the difference between the science of achievement and the art of fulfillment. There is no science of people. I mean, there's psychology, but even that's a bit of an art. Well, what's interesting is, is that there's two things going on. And it's so funny you bring up the vendor's point. In our health insurance business that I'm running, I already told them seven months ago that our vendors aren't at the level that our business is running. They're not as driven as we are. They're not as mission focused. They're not as streamlined. They don't have a consultant company helping them. We're not actually having a problem with our business, but we're taking the blame for the business that's happening out in the space by the vendor messing up. And so I'm almost coaching the vendor more than I am the actual company. And so one of the reasons why we structured our business the way we did is because we found out that the vendor or the outside source can't move as quick as we want to. So that's why we brought the marketing in-house. That's why we bought the task company in-house. That's why we're bringing the accounting in-house. Because I'm dealing with a client right now who's servicing from an accountant point of view. And to be honest with you, the communication has been atrocious. Mm -hmm. I literally had to write an email this morning. Could I get a fucking response? Like, that's the email I wrote. I sent you an email yesterday. And we're now 24 hours in. You can't respond to me about what's going on. This is taking forever. And and like, guess what? They responded. And it's like, I don't have time to wait around for for to, for your feelings. Look, I approach everybody with a with an open heart, and I try to give people the benefit of doubt. But at some point, man, we have a business to run, and you have to show up. And I'm just finding it. My buddy told me this just a minute ago. We were on a call. There's 11 million jobs available in the country right now, and there's only six million people to fill. What do we do? You know, I like mean, we need to start procreating. <laughs> I mean, it's just, it blows me away, right? Because what's interesting, right, is what I found. This is super interesting. And we're okay with this because this is the structure we put in our business. Finding out that most people are a bridge to somebody else. Meaning, I don't expect people to stay around forever, but maybe in that time and space and that season, they were exactly what you needed but you've outgrown them. Or you know what I find a lot of times in, in my business is I outgrow my clients. Like I'm here, I'm growing and I'm sitting here going and maybe they don't want to grow as fast as I want to, or that vendor doesn't want to grow as fast as we do. And so, man, it's just the balancing of these emotions and making sure people are taken care of and their, their fulfillment, man, it is a, it's a full-time job. Mm -hmm. I mean, this is what you're describing right now. It's interesting today. Um, Yesterday was one of the most fun days of the quarter for us. It's when we send out cash flow distributions to all our all of our investors, and we got to send out like one hundred and fifty thousand dollars yesterday, which is a really cool feeling to be able to send out like money to your investors. And um, 
the day we were sending out the update email saying like, here's how the quarter has been going. And we're doing that for each property, for each group of investors. And, and there's one property in particular that we're, we're partnered with another group here in the Twin Cities and may actually oversee the management of that asset. Um, it's, it's the only asset where we're not actually doing the property management on it. And it's the, it's the asset that's performing the worst. And it's really frustrating to sit and write the email and not just be able to say like, oh, the reason that's not performing is because this group is not doing their job mm-hmm. as well as they could be. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. you know, we have to accept the fact, like accept our role and our responsibility and like having partnered with them and what we're going to do in the next quarter to make sure and get that ship righted so that that thing starts performing to the level that we know. And it's not like, I'm not saying it's performing atrociously. Like it's not, it's, it's still doing well, but it's not living up to our expectations. And Many, many years ago, when my buddy Ryan and I were building Escape Climbing, uh, which is the manufacturing company, the um, one of the core theses that we had at that point was whoever's closest to the consumer wins. And so we built everything in-house and we, we removed a lot of the logistics and other manufacturing uh, companies in the supply chain. And we went direct to China to get our distribution. We brought all the materials in-house. We we scienced our own polyurethane and the machines that pour it and all of this. It was very, very, very tedious and difficult. But the reason that we did it was because we didn't want any middlemen in the process. Because when you have middlemen, even when it's not your fault, even if it's their fault, it's still your fault. Your customer doesn't, doesn't care if the reason the product isn't the way they want it or it hasn't arrived when they want it. They don't care if it's because a hurricane hits your distributor down in Houston and they didn't have enough in inventory and their, their shop is shut. Like they don't care. And so what we said is like, okay, we're not going to outsource. We're going to control as much as possible. And that was the same principle we took with Invictus as well. And it's just interesting right now to be sending out that investor update and be like, mm, yeah, the one time that we're not outsourcing or the one time that we are outsourcing the management. Yeah. Regret it. So it's like just to uh, reinstills like the belief that we had in the, in, in the system that we had originally set out. Now, it doesn't mean it's easy. Like It's actually quite hard. Um, and sometimes I, I regret doing it because it is so much more work having everything in-house. But it's the, it's the best way if you get frustrated when people disappoint you to not be disappointed, which <laughs> is, you know, this too, is like there comes this point when the solopreneur can only do so much and it's because they suck at delegating. Yeah. Because right? it's like, uh, whenever I delegate, it never gets done the way that I want or how quickly I want it. And so I'll just do it myself. And that's like the trap that we get stuck in. So mm-hmm. I'm also recognizing that as a company in-house, doing things in-house is no different than um, being unable to delegate sometimes. No, 100%. I think that ultimately what's, what's you know, why we put a bow on this topic and move into a more tactical, how they can go about fixing it. I think that ultimately I came to the conclusion in my mind that like I chose this and like these are, like these are problems that I wish I would have had two years ago. And so mm-hmm. like, ultimately I'm not going to let it get me down. I'm just going to assess it, move on, come up with a solution and, and then, and then highlight. Now what that's done in turn is it's put people in an elevated position that maybe they're about six months to a year advanced on that situation, but with the right support and the right coaching, then we can maybe have a rock star shine through, you know, ahead of schedule. Right. And I think, mm-hmm. I think we're just, uh, you know, we have such a great support system that giving them the tools they need to be successful is is super important to me. And I think that's why we're going to win in the end. And I'm not really worried about all that extra stuff. Now, when it comes to a situation like this, 
uh, where they're, you know, we're talking about people, we're talking about understanding people. Are there books or there are the things that you recommend frameworks that you that you've enjoyed over the years where they can kind of do some studying and, and, and learning on these topics? Oh, that's a good question. Um, off the top of my head, nothing's jumping up, but I do think generally, if you want to be successful in business, you need to really understand marketing. I'm not sorry, not marketing, but psychology. Psychology is also very important if you want to understand marketing and marketing is, is core to business. So like it all goes in, but really diving in to understand human psychology. So one of the best books on that topic is Thinking Fast and Slow by Daniel Kahneman, which is about a lot of the um, like the mental models, mental frameworks, the um, the biases that we carry into things. And I think that can be understanding just that the default operating system that we all as humans are um, running that's super helpful, whether that's in a one-on-one conversation with an employee and trying to understand their wants and needs and like why they're not living up to expectations to why you're disappointed all the time with the actions of everybody on your team. Cause that's equally as important, like understanding maybe you just really suck at communicating. Maybe this is a you issue and not them issue. Like, because one of the, one of the things that I take away, you know, at escape, we, we hired and fired like dozens and dozens and dozens of employees at this point. And the only common denominator is us. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, hmm, what's our role in this? What, mm-hmm. what, what are we doing? That's not setting these people up for success. And you could just say like, oh, that's just a natural consequence of being in business for so many years. And you have so many employees coming through the doors. That's going to happen. But again, you're the common denominator. So figure out what's, what's going on there. But I think anything that is around psychology and not just like pop psychology, but actually getting to like the good research based influence. The book influence is really good influence. Yeah. By Cialdini. That's a fantastic book. Um, you know, even really old stuff by like Dale Carnegie, like how to win friends and influence people. I think even that's a really helpful one. Just understanding like, I how, spent, how do we I spent three months reading every John Maxwell book? Oh, that's a good one too. Yeah. Yeah. It really being in a position. He did some stories that related to why it was. And I thought it was a window into an elevated view on leadership that I didn't even think about in the moment until Mm -hmm. I dug into those books. Yeah. John Maxwell. I mean, it's easy to brush off guys. I feel like who came up in that period of like 60s, 70s, 80s and 90s. Cause I think business in that that period had a very dirty connotation for a lot of people is like very hierarchical, very like um, drive share value for the, the stockholders at all costs. And, and so for me, John Maxwell is kind of always like bracketed into that category of like from the past, his stuff doesn't, doesn't matter anymore. And I read something from him not too long ago. I was like, Oh, this is really good. Um, who's the other guy. There's another really huge business consulting type guy who wrote so, so much on this topic. I cannot think what is his name? Well, I think, I think the biggest thing as a leader, why Anthony's thinking about that and, and you're dealing with people is a lot of this comes down to as a leader, right? Me as a leader, as a boss, doing enough personal development on my own self to be comfortable in my own emotions. So when people are shedding their emotions on me, I'm not taking offense to it, or I'm not attaching myself to it. And that's not something that we talk about enough as leaders of people. And so understanding that if you're showing up as the best version of yourself, and you're not allowing your your team and their their way they're feeling about their life, or, or if their husband's mad at them, or or, or they had a bill come in that was unexpected, like understanding that that's okay. And you can allow that and you can, you can have a space where you can uh, 
make peace with that. It's super important as a leader and a business owner because, you know, they always say that you'll only grow as much as you personally grow. And I, and I truly believe that in business. I truly believe that you have to create a space where you are growing uh, along with the staff. And when you're asking expectations of them, you're in turn looking at yourself in the mirror and doing the same thing. And so, you know, a couple of things that I enjoy, um, just little books like The Slight Edge and understanding how to motivate people and, and little tweaks and stuff like that. Influence, like we mentioned, is a really great book. Um, and then to be honest with you, just digging into psychology books, just digging into sociology books and understanding the human emotion uh, is so powerful. And it can be used for good and it can be used for bad. And so making sure that you're using it for the for the for the betterment and the impact of said company is so important. Um, and, and, and using it for impact and force of good and not the other way around. Question. Do you remember who said that which gets measured gets managed? No, but I know that. Uh, quote. Oh, it's Peter Drucker. Peter Drucker. Man, that was hard. I was Googling as you were talking and I was like, Googling, I was like prolific business writer. Uh, I was like, and I, it, nothing was coming up. I was like, oh my God, how... How am I not finding this person? But Drucker, Peter Drucker is one of those guys. Again, if you're having a hard time communicating and leading a team, um, all his stuff is really, really good. Um, that's all I got. I love it. Guys, remember, you can read all the business books that you want. You can learn about P&Ls and you can do all that stuff. But the things that don't show up on a profit and loss statement are human emotions. And so make sure that you're measuring those just as much as you're measuring your bottom line. That's pretty damn good. I like that. <laughs> that was good. I came up with that on the spot. Guys, share this episode with some friends. We'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to Construct Your Life with Austin Lenny. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to rate, review, subscribe, and pay it forward by sharing with a friend. Most importantly, take this opportunity to start constructing your life by taking immediate action on what you learned. For show notes, resources, and more information on one-on-one coaching with Austin, visit constructyourlifepodcast.com.